Hey everybody, this is Trip Bodenheimer, host of The Shadows Podcast. If you get a chance, make sure you check out my episode, episode three, The Tragedy and Triumph of Trip Bodenheimer, where you get to hear my story. But today, you are listening to The Shadows Podcast, The Chronicles of Kimberly Mechwood. Hey everybody, this is Caleb. Bodie and I are eager to bring you, our listeners, a unique new take on professional and personal development through a brand new show. On March 4th, we will be bringing you a unique opportunity to enhance your life through the Ignite podcast. Our first episode will feature the incredible Shay Sparks. You might remember her from episode eight of the Shadows podcast. On Ignite, Shay will be delivering exclusively for the first time ever through this platform, her Spark Your Alpha series. Shay will cover areas in dealing with anxiety, stress, PTSD, and finding value in your purpose. So be sure to listen in on March 4th for this illuminating first episode of a five-part series. You can find Ignite everywhere you listen to the Shadows podcast because you can't have the shadows without the light. I wanna welcome everybody to another episode of Shadows podcast. I am excited today to have with us a guest who I just recently saw on Shark Tank, Kim Meckwood. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bodie. I'm thrilled to be here. It's an honor to be asked by you to be on your podcast. So thank you. We can't thank you enough for being on here. And she is an entrepreneur, creator of Click and Carry. And she actually told me a pretty good tip that I think can help a lot of people out, especially you, you gym rats out there moving forward with this episode and also breast cancer survivors. So definitely congratulations um, on you. that as well. As another, that's a huge, huge hurdle. Um, so before we get started, got some rapid fires for you. Sure. Now she has no idea what I'm about to ask her here. So first, <laughs> what is it that makes you so unique? I, I'd have to say what makes me so unique is my ability to talk to anyone and everyone. I think that every person has a beautiful story and my goal is always to find out what their story is or what what it is about them um, that gives them their essence so I think it's my ability to talk to anyone and everyone I think after talking to Mr. Wonderful you can literally say you can talk to any and everybody now (laughs) agreed I don't know if you noticed but I tried to diffuse it from the start and um, I told him I said my mother told you told me to tell you to be nice to me, hoping that, that I, could, I could intimidate him a little bit with humor so he'd be forced to be nice to me or really feel like a jerk. <laughs> and then at the end, you were like, you weren't too bad. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so what is, what is one thing that you hope to do before you die? Oh, um, buy my mother something just truly amazing that will just make her so happy. Um, I, I don't know what that would be, but I would just love to surprise her with something magical, whether it's an amazing trip of a lifetime. She doesn't need a house, but yeah. just something that would just make her heart melt. That's my goal. I would, I would think your accolades alone right now are, are definitely uh, doing that. So thank you. That's sweet. You've created your own product. You've gone on Shark Tank. And one of the most common fears that people have is getting up in front of people and speaking. What is something that you are afraid to try? Oh, I would never jump out of a plane. I, I can't imagine anyone jumping out of a perfectly good working solid plane. That's 
the thing I'm most afraid of. And I don't like spiders. They're, they scare me too. See, I would jump out of a plane with a spider on me. And I, I would do both of those. <laughs> Not me. You're brave. What is the worst vacation memory that you ever have? Worst vacation memory. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, I guess I'm going to say in high school, we went to Disney with a bunch of people from the school and I, I wasn't used to the humidity and in Florida. And when you're, when you're in high school, you're all about the way you look and how you do your hair and makeup and all that stuff. And basically I took a shower and got all ready and went outside and within five minutes, I was a big sweaty mess. So that would be the worst vacation memory. I don't know. Vacations are great. There's rarely a bad time on vacation. Actually, I I had that one listed. Then I was like, I had to think about to myself, like what mine would be. That is kind of a hard one. It's a hard one. I mean, I guess maybe bad weather if you're on a ski trip and there's no snow. I I don't know. But luckily, that's never happened to me. Everything's vacations are fun. Okay. All right, so now uh, go ahead and tell the audience, you, you survived the rapid fire. We have someone listening to this episode. They haven't watched, you know, let's say Susan Bodenheimer in, in Sumter, South Carolina has not watched Shark Tank yet. She has no idea who you are. Give us a brief snapshot of who is Kim Meckwood. Sure, so um, I have always been an inventor. I've always been into thinking creatively. Um, kind of like a little mini MacGyver as a kid. So that's what really gets me going. I love math. I love science, but I love talking to people more. So I started out in electrical engineering, which just wasn't for me. I I love the math part of it, but I was just bored. It wasn't for me. And I moved into marketing because I just love people. And in a way, Throughout my career, I've always been selling engineering products. My first real job um, after college, I worked as a waitress for a long, long time. And I thought that was a great way to hone in on sales. And then my first job was actually selling Nextels, which is an old, old, old um, phone that is basically a walkie-talkie. So I ended up selling to all engineering firms. So I always sold something having to do with engineering. And then I moved into pharmaceutical sales and then ultimately medical device sales, which was really an awesome job. I used to work for a company called Medtronic and um, I sold something called a deep brain stimulator. It's magical. It's a pacemaker for the brain. So a lead would be implanted in the midbrain on both sides of the brain in an area called for Parkinson's, the subthalamic nucleus. And it would it would be implanted and then there would be wires that would be tunneled down from the top of the head underneath, obviously underneath the skin to about the clavicle where a pacemaker battery would be hooked up to those leads. So electrical stimulation would be sent to the patient's brain and it would take away tremor or rigidity or dyskinesias. Um, it, it's just, it's just magic. So that was a lot of fun. Um, it's so I ended up always, working with something having to do with engineering. And um, at one point I was selling a drug um, and it was just a slight modification to the old gold standard. So there wasn't much to talk to my clients about. My clients were neurologists and specializing in movement disorders. 
And um, that's when I actually was talking about um, the stream I had where I saw the vision of click and carry and I had a need for it because I, I had broken up with a boyfriend who used to carry my groceries and I had to carry my own. So I, this, this idea came to me and I'm the kind of person where I know that I need something, but the ideas have to formulate in my head. And I think that our peripheral uh, our periphery picks up different influences from the environment. And when I'm sleeping, I'm finally relaxed. So the idea comes to fruition. And I had this idea for click and carry. And um, I was talking to my doctors about it because they didn't want to hear about this boring drug that they've been using for years and years and years. It was, it was not a stimulating product to sell. So I, I told my one friend in particular about it and drew pictures for her. And she said, will you shut up and stop talking about it and do something about it? So I did. I followed her advice and uh, I started the process of bringing Click and Carry to market. So that's me in a nutshell. One thing you, you said right there that I wanted to touch on before I completely forget about it, but you were talking about being a, a waitress and how that really worked on, you know, being able to talk to people in sales. I was a, a waiter for about... I don't know, six years or so. And uh, I told people the exact same thing. I'm like, it helps you overcome public speaking. You, it allows you to work on your sales because um, it's, it's kind of an underrated job. I think that's out there. I, th I think so too. I, I actually, I had a lot of fun with it. I did it all throughout college and um, you're right. You learn to upsell. You have to know your product inside and out. So you have to be educated so that you can relay that information and then um, the more charming you are and the more mm -hmm. ability, the ability to make friends with your customers, the better the tip you're going to receive. So and you get fun. every type of personality. Mm -hmm. you, when it comes to food, you get the people that want their food now and they're going to take it out on you or you get the nicest people in the world. And yeah, it, it really challenges you. So tell us about your childhood. I, I think I had a great childhood. So um, my dad played baseball and I was one last attempt at a boy. He obviously didn't get a boy. So <laughs> he had three girls. He, um, he, he made it to the, um, to the minor leagues. And I think he was in one, he was in spring training for the majors. He was on the Giants when they were in New York. So it's long, long, wow. long time ago. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a really good baseball player. I still hear stories about what a great player he is. Um, or was. Um, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, everyone knows Scranton now from either the office or Joe Biden yep. and the coal mines and um, just just a simple life. It's it's um, it's a it's a small town. The people are so nice. Everybody knows one another. And um, I have to say I had a really happy childhood. I have two awesome older sisters. My mom is my favorite person in the world and she did whatever she could to to provide for us and, you know, dance classes and baseball and um, cheerleading and all that fun stuff. It's just, it was a great place to be from, but um, it's funny you would ask that because um, she made me go to school at home for two years. And then she said, you could go wherever you want. So I went to this local um, college, it's called the University of Scranton. It's a private Jesuit school. And it's really, um, really good school for pre-med and for engineering. And um, she thought I'd go to Lehigh or Penn State after that because at the time I was on the engineering path. And um, she said, yeah, I could go wherever I want. So I had a friend who had a friend in San Diego. So I hopped a plane and moved to San Diego and had never been there, but um, decided to move to California. And I've been here ever since. San Diego State, right? Aztecs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So I usually ask people, you know, like what's something you learned from your parents that you carry with you today, but I'm going to kind of flip it on you a little bit. Okay. You had two older sisters. Mm-hmm. What is something you picked up from your sisters that you do today? Well, I, so my middle sister, she's a genius and she's the math person. Um, she was always my idol. So that's why I went into engineering and it just wasn't for me. It's just, I love how I, I think spatially and I love how engineering works, but usually engineers are more introverted and mechanical and that's not me. So I learned, even though she's my idol and I applaud her for who she is and, and what she does, it just, just because she's my idol doesn't mean that it's going to make me happy in my life. Um, so but I, st- I still look up to her and I think she's amazing and she's so kind and sweet. And then my, my other sister, she is so, she has such a good outlook on life. She, they're both brilliant and I applaud them so much. My other sister is a special education teacher and I think that's a very difficult job and it would be hard for me because I, I would, I'm, I'm really sensitive. So I would just, I would have a hard time. I would probably be crying every day. And I admire my, my oldest sister for her toughness. She's, she, she gets, she gets it done in, in a kind, um, what's, what would the word be a kind way, but she, she gets it done. Whereas, um, I would be sappy and, um, let the kids breeze through. No, they need to learn. So she's just a little tough love. Yeah. Tough love. She's an awesome teacher and I respect her so much and her kids love her. She's, she's awesome. So you talked about San Diego state and is that where you got into pharmaceutical and medical device sales? No, actually I didn't No, Um, I was in, when I was in San Diego, um, I worked as the waitress and then my first job was with Nextel Mm -hmm. and Nextel turned into a singular wireless, which was, I think Pacific bell at the time. And then my, it seems like we, um, my friend Darlene and I followed this other waitress, Andrea Benson, to all of her jobs. And she moved to Los Angeles and worked for Wyeth Erst Pharmaceuticals. Hmm. And um, ultimately she was promoted and they needed someone for Los Angeles. So I applied for the job and she was my boss. And that's how I got into um, it, it, how I got into pharmaceutical sales. It seems like um, all the waitresses move into pharmaceutical sales, yeah. at least the ones from San Diego State. <laughs> okay. So you started doing that. And then um, from there, like where did the idea of click and carry, you talked about it came to you in a dream, but where was that at at this point in your life? So that was probably still about three or four years out because I, I started with Wyeth and I was selling a drug for depression and anxiety and for acid reflux. And then um, a couple of years later, um, I, I applied for a job in neurology neurology is kind of my other passion. I think it's fascinating. The brain is fascinating. So I went and I worked for this company called Schwarz Pharma. And I think I mentioned earlier on that they had a product. It was called Percopa. And it was orally dissolving cinnamon. And cinnamon is the staple of a Parkinson's disease patient's regimen. It's 
been used for years and years. I believe it was invented in the 70s. And to talk to these brilliant doctors about an orally dissolving cinnamon is just not stimulating and they don't want you to waste your time. But um, I ended up becoming friends with all of the neurologists and that's when I started sharing, hey, I have this idea. And that's when the neurologist from USC, her name is Jennifer Huey. She's responsible for click and carry because she's the one who said to me, will you shut up and stop talking about this and do something about it? And so I did. So while I was working at the pharmaceutical company. Um, she introduced me to her neighbor. Her neighbor was studying product design at the Pasadena Design School. By the way, that's a little tip. If anyone's interested in inventing something or bringing something to market and need some help, it's always smart to, to use students at local colleges because they have access to amazing equipment and their brains are usually super sharp and they can help you. And so Audrey, um, I put her on my first patent because it was our first patent together. I wanted her um, to get credit, but it was obviously my design, but I needed her help because I didn't know how to do a 3D CAD print. And she went to Columbia undergrad and then she went to Pasadena Design School for product design. And so I hired her and um, we went through about nine different iterations of the click and carry until we became the winner. So right now it's a, it's um, it looks kind of like a boomerang and it twists in the center to open so you can load and unload the click and carry. And by the way, we didn't tell your, your audience, click and carry is a simple handle device that allows shoppers to manage and carry multiple bags at once comfortably. And you could do it in your hand or you could wear it over your shoulder. And when you wear it over your shoulder, it's hands-free. And the best part is your back is such a good support system that you evenly distribute the weight and it feels like it's half the weight, but it's still obviously the same amount of weight, but it just feels like half. And it's padded but, too, right? What's that? Isn't it oh, padded? Yeah. Yeah, there's a comfy gel grip on the bottom. Yeah. Um, but honestly, when it's over your shoulder, it's it's wonderful because it really does feel like your groceries are half the, the weight. Yeah. But um, it, CAD printing is expensive. And if I went out into the real world and I did it, it would have been about $2,000 per iteration. And at the Pasadena Design School, it was about, I think it was 195 per iteration. So I spent $1,800 on it, but I found the winner. And I needed to do that. And I wouldn't have been able to afford to do it in the real world. So that's why utilizing design schools or um, MBA programs at big universities do that if, if you're gonna take that route. But um, I worked through the, the concept, I found the winner. And then I knew that I had to actually make a working model before I could bring it to the world. So I had a mold created in China um, I couldn't afford to make a mold here, unfortunately. In the future, that's my goal is to make this a United States right. manufactured product. But right now I can't afford to. But um, as luck would have it, my neighbor across the hall, he worked for Ty, the Beanie Baby Company. Yeah. And he hooked me up with his with his factory and, um, and I made a mold. It, it didn't work perfectly. So we made some modifications to the mold. And once we had the winner, I um, took it to be patented. And um, at the time um, it was, we were in a recession. So um, the United States Patent and Trademark Office didn't have a whole lot of people working at the time. It was kind of the, the, the skeleton crew. So it took almost three years for my first patent, but I got wow. it. And so I have two patents now, two utility patents and I have a trademark. How'd that feel when you finally got that? Oh, that was, pro that was probably, 
I'd say besides Shark Tank, that was probably the second best day of my life. And I know, now that sounds silly. It's just a piece of paper. No. But for me, that was a huge accomplishment. Um, it was it was a dream come true because I honestly didn't realize that just a normal person can can get a patent. I, I, my brain was thinking too small. I wasn't dreaming large enough. Yeah. And then once I got that under my belt, I felt like the sky was the limit. I really didn't have anything holding me back after that point. Yeah, I'd have it framed. I'd have it framed, <laughs> put up somewhere. People walk in and be like, yeah, that's my my two patents <laughs> right there. I, I should have it framed. I have it really protected, both of them. They're protected. And I mean, if I had, God forbid, a fire in my house, that's the first thing I would grab and some pictures. Make a <laughs> copy and frame it. There you Do go. That. Yeah. <laughs> tell me what you, uh, or tell the listeners what you told me prior to us hitting record about how they can use Click and Carry and Gems. Um, there, are, there are a lot of different machines, uh, pulley systems at the gym. And I said that Click and Carry can be used to um, have sanitary handles. So instead of hooking up the handles at the gym and touching someone else's sweat, you can just touch your own sweat with your sanitary handles because it's really easy to connect the click and carry to the, the exercise equipment. And the funny thing is, this is actually great for exercise equipment too. So like the soccer dads, um, they have to bring all the balls um, exactly. to the soccer field. So this is great for carrying sporting equipment. Um, a lot of people put, um, you could put um, weights on it. So you could use, you know, um, it's probably, it's too small for kettlebells, but let's say you have a Clorox bottle filled with sand, you put one on each side. So you can actually make your own weights with the click and carry. There's so many creative things you could do with the click and carry. And it's, I invented this for, for grocery shopping, obviously, but people use it as a ski boot tote or for dry cleaning, for paint cans and construction pails, sports equipment. So it's taken on a whole new life of its own, which is a lot of fun. Oh, and the, the latest one, it's so silly, but if you twist it open and you use the second area yeah. of the click and carry, you could actually prop up your phone or your iPad and it's, a, it's an iPad or phone holder. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so... That's pretty cool too. I don't know how people think of this stuff, but um, oh. I encourage I encourage anyone if you're listening and you you use Click and Carry and you find a fun, unique way to use it, please send me pictures. I love when people send me their creative pictures. That's got to be cool too when it's it's like your baby and then you see people like, oh, you can use it for this. You're like, oh, it's even better, <laughs> yeah. No, and I think now especially with you know people, um, you were talking about you know using a gym. It's your own sweat that you're using. Right now, I'm a germaphobe, big time. And so many different uses you can get out of having that as opposed to, um, I, I'm big about carrying groceries in. And I know y'all talked about it on Shark Tank, but I always try to load up on as many as I can carry. And then I get inside and I've got all these like creases on my arms and, and just red spots from the bags just pulling at my skin. So it's good to- what, cutting 40, off the circulation. Cutting off <laughs> circulation. Yeah. And then you have uh, 40 pounds on each side is I believe. Um, it it's carry. actually, it carries 80 pounds. So yeah, 40 pounds on each side, up to 40 pounds on each side. It actually, truth be told, it doesn't even stress fracture until 153 pounds, but I don't know many people besides the rock who can that's carry. That's a lot of groceries. Uh, that's a lot of groceries. Yeah. So I say 80 pounds because I don't want anyone to, God forbid, hurt their back and overdo it. Yeah. But it's funny that you talked about, um, about the groceries and the sanitary aspect. For me, the biggest pain in the butt before click and carry is um, I would 
you know, gather, t- take the car, bring it to my car, put all the groceries in the trunk, and then take all the groceries from the trunk, go up the elevator, you know, go to my front door and bring them in. But you have to set them down to unlock the door. The best part about click and carry is you usually have five or six bags connected to the click and carry. So instead of regathering five or six loose bags, you just grab the handle and boom, you're on your way. And then that uncomfortable feeling when you go to pick up a grocery bag and you didn't grab both ends of the plastic and then it ends up kind of flopping open. Yep. And tuna cans on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. It's always like the canned goods. It's always the canned. It's never like the bread or anything like that. So you talked about the patent that you applied for and received. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that process. That's always kind of intrigued me, the, the patent process. So that's it, that's interesting. So I took the long route because I, I, I just, I knew that this was something special and I wanted to do it the right way. And I knew that I didn't have the legal know-how to, to do this properly. And there are ways to get a provisional patent that are super duper easy. You can take $10 and send off an envelope to the United States Patent and Trademark Office and you have a provisional patent for a year because that means your idea is documented. So you have a year with which you can apply for the patent. Um, in fact, um, if anyone's interested in doing any inventing, there's this book that it's, it's like the Bible to inventors and it sounds a little hokey, but it's called Mom Inventors Handbook Edition 2 and it's by Tamara Monosoff and she teaches you all these different ways that you can get items patented and how you could raise money um, to fund your product and how you can utilize colleges and, um, you know, hire less expensive labor to get your product on the market. Um, but I chose the, the safe route by actually hiring a patent attorney. And I love my patent attorney. His name is Jason Farhadian. He's, he's a patent attorney and he's also an engineer. So he really got me and he got my designs And um, I worked with him for both of my patents. And then I worked um, my trademark with Sharona Caton and she's awesome too. So I actually, I went through an an attorney, but there are less expensive ways to do it. Design patents are a lot less expensive too than a a utility patent. Utility patents are expensive because it means new and useful product that there's none of, none like it in the world. And a design patent is just a slight modification on on the old gold standard. Okay. That makes sense. Now a patent attorney, are they, one of the responsibilities they have, is that kind of finding knockoff products and. Um, Initially? Yes. Um, Great question. Um, Initially. Yes. They, they have to do a search to make sure that your product is not already on the market because it would not behoove them to accept your money if it's not going to get approved. So yeah. What if, what if someone comes up with a product that's eerily similar to yours? Is that where they kind of notify them with like a cease and assist type thing? Yeah. Um, so like I said, my patent took three years. So that was a scary three years because someone could have been ahead in the process by two weeks and they would, they would be awarded the patent versus me. So you just, you just don't know. And that's why when you're filing for the patent, you have to zip your mouth and be really quiet about it because someone who can see the potential will could potentially steal your idea and actually manufacture it before it has patent protection, but they're the first to market. So they're the winner. Yeah. That's gotta be tough too. Cause I know you're, it's like, you're passionate about this. You want to get this out there, but you can't really promote it. You have to kind of wait for that. So after that, you 
started going to uh, home and houseware, the home and houseware trade show in Chicago? Yes, that was actually, it was amazing. It was, I didn't really know how to get it off the ground um, because I don't have a lot of money for marketing. And especially at that time, I, w- I was working a full-time job and doing click and carry on the side. And, and click and carry is the kind of product that needs a description. You wouldn't look at it and think it, think it's, it does what it does. It looks like a boomerang. Um, so it really needs a description. So a lot of retailers were hesitant because it would sit there if people don't know what it is. Yeah. So um, my one last Hail Mary was I took $8,000. It was a lot of money to me at the time um, and spent it on going to the trade show. And I was just, I was in the cheap section. It was called the inventor's corner. Yeah. And um, our, it, it was, it was still a lot of fun, but we weren't the big companies, the big companies were all there. It was, you know, Johnson and Johnson and Tupperware or not uh, Rubbermaid and all of those big home and housewares companies. We were just in the little bitty section, but one of the, one of the uh, benefits of being an inventor's corner is there is um, a mock pitch competition and all of these people were there representing different companies. I was there when I was there, it was Sky Mall. It was QVC HSN, um, a couple of um, European grocery chains. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but they they sold my product for a while. Anyway, um, so I was discovered, um, unbeknownst to me, I was discovered by QVC. And at the time, um, the uh, Bethany Frankel, she's the skinny girl, margarita girl, who is, I just think, an amazing mobile. She's just so bright and creative. And um, she had a talk show at the time and she was doing a segment each week to benefit female entrepreneurs. And unbeknownst to me, her, her show was ending. So she called QVC and asked if they had met any cool, unique um, female entrepreneurs at the Home and Houseware show that year. And QVC told them about me. And ironically, I had applied to be on her show because I, I think she offers great business advice and she ultimately became a shark. And I was, I was hoping she was there the day I was there because I think she's awesome. And um, unbeknownst to me, she and um, QVC had been talking and they invited me to be on the show. So I was excited. I thought I was going to go on and get a five or $10,000 stipend and some amazing um, advice from Bethany Frankel. And instead, um, they since it was her last episode of Bethany in Your Business, I was awarded a contract with QVC and I went on the next month, but the way they shoot in um, in um, talk show time, it was actually, it appeared to be the next day, but it was actually a month later. I went on QVC and I sold out in six minutes. In fact, wow. um, I had 13,000 in stock and I actually pre-sold 18,600. So a lot of people had to wait three months for their clicking carries and then they ordered a whole lot more. So that was um, that was a challenge in and of itself because I had to buy 60,000 clicking carries and I just bought a condo. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, talk, you talk about just things picking up that the inventor's corner, I don't know why when I read that, I was thinking of like the scene from Gremlins where the dad calls back home everybody's around them with all their, their inventions, but that had to be surreal for you because you went on, you got awarded the QVC uh, Sprouts Gadget of the Year 2014. And you said QVC ordered 60,000. All that happens to you. What is going through your mind? Oh, it was, it it was crazy. And and the funny, 
well, it's not funny, but um, at the same time, simultaneously, that's when all the the cancer baloney happened. So, um, so I was dealing with that on top of it. And um, so what I, what I um, decided to do, and it was a stupid move, but it was the only move that I, that I had. I actually used my 401k to pay for that order because sometimes you have to take a chance in life and you have to strike while the iron is hot. So I utilized my 401k and I knew that there was going to be a tax penalty, but I didn't think it was going to be as, as high as it was. And it, it came about a year and a half later. Um, but I, I did that. I, I sold the 60,000 units and um, went through the cancer issue. And luckily it was resolved quite quickly. I caught it early. But when you go through something like that, you realize how precious life is and, and how it's important to follow your passion. So I decided, um, I decided in March after my second surgery that I was going to save up all my money and leave at the end of the year because I had to wait um, six months to have reconstructive surgery. Um, so I had three surgeries that year. So that was in October that I had the surgery and I left my job, the job that I loved, the one that I told you about with the, um, the leads for mm -hmm. Medtronic for the deep brain stimulation. I left my job at the end of the year to do click and carry full time. So, so mm -hmm. it, it encouraged um, a life altering experience and Sadly, a couple of years later, I had to go back to work, but I kept the dream alive because I, I, I believe to this day that Click and Carry is going to help a lot of people. I don't think it's the end all be all, but it's going to make lives a little bit easier, especially for people who, let's say, don't have access to cars and have to take public transportation or yeah. moms that need an extra hand. So it's going to make lives a little bit easier. And I have a lot more ideas that are going to come from this. Uh, I'm already working on two. So I just... I, I believed in it so much that it was worth it to work a full-time job and do it on the side because because um, I, I, I know it's something special and it's going to help people. Yeah, to kind of hit the pause on the clicking care, you, you mentioned uh, being diagnosed with breast cancer. Here in the news, you're kind of at a high in terms of where you were wanting to take this product. Take us through, because someone here may have a family member or they may be going through something. Talk about your mindset when you initially heard the news and then kind of where you're at now with everything. So that's a, a really good question um, because I had a really weird reaction to it. I I didn't even want to deal with it. I, I, I No, let me back up. I did. And because I, at the time, was working in um, with neurosurgeons and I... I'm not afraid of operations. I immediately wanted to get in there and get it cut out. And then they wanted to make sure they cleared the margin. So I went in two weeks later and had a second surgery. My, my plan was to just get in there, get it done and be done with it. And that's, that's how I operate. And, um, but I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. It, it, every time I talked about it, I got choked up. So I pretended like it wasn't happening. And I told very few people about it until it was over. I, and I, I'm getting choked up now because it was really difficult because it's the kind of thing you do want to share with people. And I really, I hardly shared it with my family because I knew it would make my mother and sisters really nervous. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, um, I'm happy that it happened to me because QVC actually did a segment on me for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It was on um, Fanny. It's um, I and I, I could send the link and maybe you can attach it to yeah, your absolutely. podcast. 
I'll send the link. They did a, a segment on me and I feel lucky that I got to do that segment because um, I talked about how if it's treated early, you could nip it in the bud. And that's not the case for everyone I know, but, but it's important that women know to go and get their mammograms and get checked so that you can catch it early before it's too late. And it's just, it's, it's not fun to go through, but I was lucky to have the platform to tell people to hurry up and get your mammograms. And if any of you girls are out there listening, get your mammograms. It's really important. What's the either one person you've interacted with? I'm, I'm sure you've interacted with several people, especially after having a story out there and having the platform that you have now. What's that one time where someone's come up to you and they're like, that, that helped me. I needed to hear that. Oh boy. Um, I've gotten so many amazing phone calls and emails and text messages since the episode aired. Um, I'll tell you a couple of my favorites. Um, there was an 82 year old man who wrote to me and he said, where was this my whole life? You made my life so much easier. He said, um, you know, I'm older now and I have to go up three flights of stairs. He said, and I walk to the grocery store because it's close, but this just makes it so much easier. And then I've gotten calls um, about the fact that I didn't give up, that I, I insisted on reapplying each and every year, even though they said no, because the truth of the matter is no is just no for now. You just yeah. need to figure out a way to, to convince them that they need, in this case, they needed me on the Shark Tank. Yeah. They re- obviously, they really didn't, but um, it was my goal and I wasn't going to stop until I got it done because I knew that I needed to get the word out and I knew that I didn't have the money to do a real marketing campaign. And that was an amazing vehicle. Um, I'm getting calls now. I just got off Um, a Zoom call from South Africa. They want to distribute in South Africa. And I've gotten calls from Canada and um, Mexico and the Philippines. So so people are seeing this exposure from Shark Tank and and everyone looks at it and said, oh, that's just so simple, but I need that. And I I think we're going to see it everywhere soon. And I hope my prediction that it's the next umbrella is true. (laughs) I hope you'll see it everywhere and that everyone will have two or three in their household. I was even thinking about because we we spent six years in um, Germany before we came to Alabama and everywhere you go over there, whether it's Prague or Berlin or, you know, Amsterdam, for the most part, it's not like the States for people who haven't been overseas. It's not where you can just pull up the front of Walmart and park. A lot of it is you take a metro into the city. There's not a whole lot of public parking. If there is, it's expensive. So you're doing majority of your day walking around and I, I heard your product. I was like, where was this when I was in Germany and we were carrying, you know, bags and it was, okay, your turn to carry this bag. It's hurting my hands. Okay. Your turn <laughs> to carry this. So I, I think, especially um, over in Europe, I think there is like a, a huge need for this. Uh, so it I made a lot agree. of sense when you said it was being sold at like grocery stores and stuff there. Mm-hmm. And, and people in Europe shop on the daily basis for their mm-hmm. dinner. And they it's walk here. Mm-hmm. They walk down the roads, they have their, their grocery store, their bakery mm-hmm. in their, their cities, and they're walking back and forth. You see them walking up and down the roads. So it's a perfect product for them. Talk, talk to us about the five minute pitch podcast. So, so the five minute pitch was an amazing experience. There are these four brilliant entrepreneurs who sell on Amazon and 
they had this contest and my friend who I worked with at Medtronic alerted me to the contest and I didn't have time to send in a new video. So I asked if it was okay if I sent in that year's Shark Tank video and they accepted it. And um, the four judges are just, I, I mean, they're my idols. So there's Greg Mercer who owns Jungle Scout, which provides analytics um, for Amazon sellers. And there's Steve Chu, He's, his um, podcast is mywifequitterjob.com. And then there's Mike Jackness, he's amazing. And he's in the Ecom crew, he also has um, a, a podcast. And then there's Scott Volker and um, his podcast is The Amazing Seller. So, so they were the initial judges and then they put out the judging to the, to the um, audience. And then they picked the final four, which ultimately turned out to be the final five to compete live at a competition in Miami. And um, uh, there were there was a panel of judges, and it was in front of um, Steve Chu's um, uh, conference. So they all they all had a hand in voting, but it was mainly the judges who voted. And I was the lucky winner of fifty thousand dollars. And the best part, in my opinion, was that I had eight hours of time with these four brilliant guys the next month in Texas. And um, they were going to teach me how to update my Amazon um, online account. And I wish we had time to do that. Um, I'm learning the hard way. I'm not very pro, pro, proficient at um, my, my selling these days, although I've had a huge spike recently um, and I'm learning the hard way. But we didn't get to spend that time on on um, me learning the tricks of the trade for selling online because believe it or not, my episode of Shark Tank was shot over a year ago and it was for, um, and it didn't make it to air until this year. So instead of helping me with selling online, they helped me to answer questions for due diligence for Mark and Barbara. So it was, it was worth its weight in gold and $50,000 was amazing. In fact, it paid for half of my order in preparation for the, the episode airing, but um, the real value was their brain power and, and them helping me. They helped me to come up with the most amazing business plan. And um, interest, interesting fact is um, when I was pitching to them, they, um, they thought that my true value was in online sales. And I told them that I believe it's retail. And then having done the business plan, they, they also see that indeed it is retail because if I could be in 5,000 stores and average selling, let's say one a day at each store, that's how I would really make my money at, um, at click and carry. So, so it reinforced that I, my intuition was right all along. Retail is the path for click and carry. Yeah. And that mentor is, was it been there, done that mentoring? Is that what they, they called it? They, that it is what they call it. And like I said, it was supposed to be for online sales and I still have to pick their, their brains. And ultimately I'll have time to do that. Um, I recently left my job. So I, I was still doing the full-time click and carry dealio. And um, I, there's a lot to learn from them and they have a lot of courses that you can learn. So if anyone's interested in selling online, you can learn from the best and those four guys are the best. So let me ask you first, uh, retail, like where, where are some places where people can find Click and Carry? 
So right now um, it's in some local grocery stores and Ralph's. Um, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't the container store, but it's no longer in the container store. But um, I was just approached by Lowe's.com is going to carry it. And I'm hoping mm. that since the episode aired, that it's going to be in Lowe's stores. Um, I think I'll be able to make the transition. Um, yeah. They didn't know about the show and I wasn't able to tell them until the episode aired. Um, and um, Walmart recently asked me for a pitch deck because I was in a contest this summer. I'm in a group called WBENC. It's Women Owned Business Network. And... Um, it's for minority-owned businesses, and uh, women-owned businesses are considered the minority, and a lot of big companies like Walmart and Target and Kroger, they have to deal with a certain number of minority-owned businesses, so um, this contest I was in in the summer, I didn't win. The winner was fantastic. I did win $2,000, but I wasn't the big winner of $20,000, but um, I the judges were all from these big companies and they offered great advice. So it was Coca-Cola, it was Walmart, it was Target, it yeah. was um, um, some of the big tech companies. So I learned a lot and um, I kept in touch. And as a result of that competition, Walmart asked me for my pitch deck. So so that the good news is that means Walmart's considering clicking carry for their stores. Oh, that'd be huge. Agreed. Um, I sell it at Walmarts in Puerto Rico, but it's just in Puerto Rico. They have 34 stores, 34 Walmarts, but it's not in the continental U.S. So if I were lucky enough to get asked to make the transition to the continental U.S., it would be magical. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a game changer right there. Mm -hmm. talk, talk about the power of social media selling your products. Sure. Well, so that's the funny thing is I'm a little bit older, so so I, I'm not great at the social media. If I were some young, cute 20-year-old uh, hawking this, I think it would have already blown up. <laughs> but um, it's it's a little bit difficult, but that's where you, you, know, you hire um, people to help you or you get creative. And what I found, what makes makes my social media work is that I invite my customers to send me pictures of them using the product. And it's really cute because some people will try to show off and carry a million things. And some people will show a fun, unique new use of click and carry. So I like to bring my customers into the mix and have them uh, be a part of the company. So mm -hmm. I invite people to send me pictures and send me stories and send me videos. That's cool too. Cause even like the cell phone, when you brought up now you, you make a pitch to someone you're like, and look, you can use this as a cell phone holder. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. You're getting the, getting buy-in from everybody. So the next thing I want to talk about shark tank on shark tank, you went on there and you said you tried seven times to get <laughs> onto the show. So I have to ask, what is the process like to get on to shark tank? Oh my gosh. So I don't know if I should be embarrassed or not that it took seven times, but I just love the show. I wasn't going to give up, but, um, <laughs> but there's a couple of ways you can get on. So right now, in fact, I saw Mindy casting, by the way, you guys, it, all you Shark Tank fans should follow at Mindy casting. Um, they're opening up their, their newest recruit for Shark Tank for season uh, 13 in a month. And she said, but get them in early. So right now, what you need to do is you need to film a video and you need to send it into casting. But in the past, you were also enabled to go to um, a live casting call where you would pitch. 
So either way, whether they saw you on video or if they saw you in person, if they liked you and they thought you had something special, they would invite you back for the next round, which included um, filling out a 30 page questionnaire, basically your whole life. It was answers to all the questions and um, you know what motivates you, uh, what are your sales, just the, everything that they need to know to, to see if you're a quality candidate and if you're, you're business is a real business. And then if they, if they like you there, um, then they, um, I can't remember if I had to submit a second video or if I had a call, uh, if I had a call with the producers and then they bring you to the next level, which includes more paperwork and it's more legal paperwork. And, um, and this is, this is the hard round to get to. And um, once you pass that test, then you start working with producers and the producers help you with your pitch. So you work with the producer once a week. In my case, it was for about two months and my pitch changed dramatically from the first week to the last week. In fact, um, when I was, um, when I was working with my producer, I told him about the, the five minute pitch competition and I didn't know if it was a conflict of interest or, now, or not. So I asked him if I can compete and he said, well, Kim, he said, you know, I thought about it. Do you think you can win? I said, yeah, I think I can. I, I said, I could give it a good shot. And he said, well, just go win that money. So he let me enter the contest and um, I'm glad that he did. And it was good practice because I kind of got the nerves out right before I pitched yeah. to the sharks. So, although I was really nervous once I was in front of sharks. When you finally got notified, like you've, you've, you've been denied six times to get, and it had to be, you know, heartbreaking each time you hear it the did. news. And one of the times, I didn't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry. Um, one of the times, it was the second time, um, I actually made it to the to where I made it to this time where I was working with the producers and I was ready to film. In fact, ironically, The Apprentice for the main um, producer um, that I was working with, The Apprentice ended up being the producer for this season. When you got accepted on. Yeah, he said, his name was Sean. He's amazing. And he said, Kim, do you remember me? And I said, I, your face looks familiar, but I don't remember where I know you from. Do I know you from the gym or fr <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't know where I knew him from. And I, I just, it, it didn't click yeah. and um, just funny how things work in life. So, so I made it really close twice. And this time I finally made it to film. What advice would you give to someone out there? Who's, you know, maybe not in a scenario like going on shark tank, uh, for their seventh time, but like there's someone who's, who's trying something and they keep getting knocked down and keep getting knocked down. Like what advice would you have for that individual? I would say if, if you really believe in yourself or your idea or your product, don't listen to the naysayers. Know in your heart that you could do it, be confident and just keep going. Um, I mean, I could have easily given up and I could have said, oh, they're never going to pick me. In fact, I was told by one of the, one of the early casting agents who's a good friend now, his name is Scott. He said, they're never going to pick you. But I chose not to believe him because I, I, I knew I had a good product and I was going to, I was going to get it there if it killed me. <laughs> it almost did. <laughs> well, that, that prediction didn't really pan out the way he, he thought it would. Yeah. And um, yeah, just 
don't listen to the naysayers. Cause you know, even when I was first inventing the product Bodhi, um, people would say, nobody needs that. It's not hard to carry in groceries. That's silly. Only New Yorkers would need that. Or and you could have like just that. folded up right there. But like, you're mm -hmm. right. Even my own sister, she said, well, you know, my garage is right outside my kitchen. I just have to walk down the hallway. And I said, yeah, I know that's definitely true. I said, but you still have to regather the loose bags. You could just grab, grab the handle from your trunk and walk in. Isn't that a lot easier than regathering the five or six loose bags? So it takes some convincing, but don't, don't believe the naysayers. Just go for it. Life is short. Yeah. I, th I think a lot of us, even myself, you know, I, I was just reading a book the other day about how we have the uh, internal voice versus the external voice. And we listen to the external voice, which isn't even our own. And more times than not, we, we, we just hear someone say something as simple as that's stupid. And we're, we're like, they're right. They're right. It is. I don't need to put any more stock into this, but no, you get on there, your pitch, who, who came up with the juggler? Um, that was actually Max Swedlow. He's one of the executive producers. And um, I was, um, I, we were going to have um, someone struggling versus someone using the click and carry, yeah. um, opening up the car door. And he, he said, well, what about this? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, he told Sean, Sean told me, I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. But I said, but where are we going to find a uh, unicyclist who juggles. And I mean, we're, we live in weird LA. So um, Sean called around and found two unicycle colleges. And the first one I called, actually, she's the German world champion of unicycling and she also juggles. So I hired her on the spot. <laughs> you could tell me that if my life depended on it in the next 24 hours, I have to find uh, uh, <laughs> unicyclists that can juggle and I would fail. So um, it's LA. I mean, yeah. we've got all we've we've got it all here. It's that's so funny. Um, another another funny thing because one thing that I pitched to them, believe it or not, dogs can use click and carry. And there's a group called Canine Companions. They're Labradors. Labradors yeah. like to help people, but Labradors are taught these forty tricks to help their handicapped human. So I pitched the idea to them that that Charlie, he's a surfing yellow lab. I said, Charlie can easily come out and hand the clicking carries to all the sharks. Robert would have stuff. been all in right then. Agreed. In fact, it's funny because it came up in my pitch and he had already gone out and I told him about the canine companions and, um, and he's like, you're kidding. And I, I said, no, I'm, I'm really not. I said, this this dog really uses the click and carry and it's the dogs all over my Instagram and my Facebook. You'll see him. So um, cool. Yeah. There's another one too. His name is Cole. He's a black lab and he also uses the click and carry and he carries in cases of beer for his dad. But Robert was all excited about that. And he was excited too, because I told him about my next invention, which is actually a strapping system that connects to click and carry. And um, it works as a crossbody or it goes diagonal, so you mm. can wear oblong items like a surfboard or a stand-up paddleboard or even a ladder. And then for a smaller version, you could actually make one where um, you can actually carry skis because yep. let's say you're walking to the lodge, moms are stuck with carrying their sk kids' skis. Well, they can actually wear it like a purse. And then when your shoulder starts to hurt, you just switch sides. But it's really great for 
stand up paddle boards and surfboards and ladders yeah. because you could wear it instead of having to carry it like this with your with your elbow. That's really cool. Well, well, I'll ask you more about that one in just a second. So we, we were talking about it and we were joking before we hit record because I said if I ever went on Shark Tank and was walking out, I would have the music playing in my head. And uh, but I know that has to be nerve wracking. So take us back to that moment where, you know, they're about to tell you you're about to walk out there. And then <laughs> from the moment that you were told we're about to, you know, hit go until you start talking to them, what is going through your mind? Oh my gosh. It's, it's just, it's surreal. I, I honestly had the biggest smile and I couldn't have been happier. I was like a kid on Christmas day because I finally made it there. It didn't matter if I got a deal or not. I was just happy to be there and to get my chance. That's all I wanted was the chance. And they finally gave me the chance. I was so appreciative, um, but it was very nervous. And it's funny that you said you would be humming the song. I had to hum the song because they actually don't play the music. And, and um, I said, what do you mean you don't play the music? I mean, that's, that's my favorite part. But so I hummed it in my head. But the funny thing is, and if you watch the episode, you'll notice I keep licking my lips because I was so nervous that I ran out of saliva. I, I had such a dry mouth because it was literally the best day of my life. And I was in front of all my idols and I had a great group of sharks that day. I was only missing Damon and I love Damon too, but it was just, it was a dream come true. And I was so nervous that I I had no saliva. I actually, um, at one point, Lori asked me a question. I said, Lori, hold on. And I told her, and they all started laughing because I really, there was nothing left. I had hidden a bottle of water on my table behind some of the clicking carries and I had to, I had to leave and go and get a drink and come back and you're not supposed to do that but I I had to I had there was nothing left I I wouldn't have been able to speak and she was laughing it was cute that dry mouth is like a real thing too because I was yeah. it was one of the most <laughs> embarrassing moments of my life I was reading something in front of a, a squadron and I got dry mouth and I couldn't grab a bottle of water or anything and I just fell flat on my face basically hard <laughs> yeah yeah thank you for for letting me know about that because i i would be like dun, 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 dun. hello sharks i am yeah <laughs> by the way i messed up my lines which was devastating you could see the blood rush from my face when it happened because i was supposed to say and juggle all that life has to throw your way and that's when the juggler came out um her name is sophia and and i wrote and i said and juggle and I, I, I blanked, but then luckily it came back and I said, and juggle all that life has to throw your way. But it, I could tell that my poor producer, he must've been cringing because we practiced so many times and there I go. And I forget my lines. <laughs> it's nothing like when you hit record. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I've, I've learned that either teaching or, or talking in front of people is you can have it just scripted the exact way you want to do it. And then you look back, you're like, oh, I, did, I messed that up. It, it didn't go too bad for you, though, because you got up there, you you called out Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary right off the bat. You're like, you know, my mom said you got to you got to be nice to me. But he even was like, you know, this seems like it's in the eighth inning of its life. And that's where going back to naysayers and people making comments like that. And you were you like, I disagree. And after that, you know, Robert went out, Lori went out, which you said Lori and Barbara kind of had a uh, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back and forth, which, you know, Lori with her QVC background, 
you know, initially when you come in, I'm trying to like line up, like who's the perfect fit. And I was like, this is probably perfect for Lori, but actually it went to Barbara and Mark. How thrilled were you when they both offered you the deal and you said, let's do it. It, it was amazing because I, uh, another point in the pitch when the blood came out of my flowed out of my face was when Barbara made me that low ball offer and she was right. I was or like the I whole was, thing, right? Mm-hmm. She no, well, 85% of it. And I was, yep. I was insulted and looking back, um, my, my friend who's a casting agent, Jackie, because, uh, because she, they all grew to know me and they mm-hmm. were all in the room when I was filming because I, I mean, it was my seventh time. So they all knew me by name at this point. And, um, Jackie said, I think that Barbara was testing you. And I believe that was the case too. And I believe that was the case because, um, Mr. Wonderful said, I like Barbara's offer. And she looked at him and said, you like that offer because it's a greedy offer. So yes. she knew it was a greedy offer. I think she was testing me to see if my heart was in it. And that's what I think convinced both Mark and Barbara to come in together because actually um, Lori was the last person to go out. And while she was going out, I could see them out of the corner of my eye. And I really think that what they needed for convincing was the fact that um, that my heart was in it and that I wasn't willing to sell it. And I know that I gave up a big portion of my business, but to have Mark and Barbara as your partners oh and giving up 40%. And listen, Lori would have been an awesome partner too. I, I really love and respect her too. Um, I just, I didn't think that I needed Lori as much because I already had QVC. And then you, you had even told Barbara before that, that you had 70% return customers mm-hmm. and then you kind of got the lowball offer right after that so yeah absolutely i think you were spot on with that assessment so yeah you end up with with them which you know mark cuban is is my favorite one on there but then what's like any cool stories like with people you've run into or or celebrities or anything since shark tank that you have to share so I, every time I run into a celebrity, and it happens a lot because I, I live in a, um, a part of town where a lot, a lot of people frequent. And um, the one time I, I always give them a click and carry too. So I've met uh, Kristen Wig and um, Jessica Alba. I, I can't remember the cute one from Alias. I forgot her. I met her. Um, and But my favorite was one time I was out to dinner and John Krasinski was there and I'm from Scranton. There you go. (laughs) So of course I gave him a clicking carry and um, I said, listen, I said, you know, I would, can I, and I never asked them for pictures. I said, can I get a picture of you? I'm actually really from Scranton and I would love to put this up on Facebook. And he said, of course. So I went to take his picture and he took my phone and he gave it to his friend. He said, no, you have to be in it. So we took a picture together and I wrote on Facebook, hello, Scranton, love Kim and Jim. And it was just, that was my favorite. And he was the nicest guy. I'd say everybody's nice um, that I've met. I I can't think of one celebrity that wasn't nice. And they probably think I'm a weirdo giving them a clicking carry, but I just think it's fun to give them something new and exciting. In fact, um, I always see Anthony Kiedis and um, I, ge- I gave him a click and carry. And the next time I saw him, he said, you know, your thing. He said, um, I gave it to my, my nanny. He said, I don't do the grocery shopping, but it's so funny because he was doing the twisting mechanism. So he obviously looked at it. It's and familiar with it. 
<laughs> yeah. So even though he wasn't the end user, he, he put some time into it. And I thought that was really cool. That made me really proud because I, I like his music. So the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool like for me to give him something creative back. Oh, that's so cool. That has <laughs> to be so cool. So you mentioned briefly your next idea. What what other, I don't want you to give too much because not patent, somebody steal it. <laughs> but what do you think is that next chapter for you? So my, I would say initially it's, um, it's carrying devices or things that can make um, lugging things around, like, like I said, the stand-up paddleboard, the surfboard, um, as a, a pharmaceutical rep or a medical device rep, sometimes I'd have to carry in lunch or carry in uh, Starbucks coffees or whatever. So I have ideas for mm. that and I can't go into it. I, I kind of told you about my, yep. my um, strapping system, which is probably going to be ready in about two weeks. Um, well, by the time this airs, so that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but interestingly, it won't be ready for production, but the, the prototype will be complete. Yeah. Interestingly, since the episode aired, I've had a bunch of people contact me about inventions and ideas they have, but they don't know how to bring it to fruition. Mm. So I actually just, I wrote to Mark and Barbara, I said, maybe I could be the gadget girl or the gadget guru and people can come to me with ideas and I could filter in all the good ones. Um, I, there was a company a few years ago called Quirky. I don't know if it's still around. I don't think it is, but they did something similar, but I would love for my next journey to be the gadget girl where people come to me with ideas and I could advise them or say, I would, I would modify this uh, and maybe help them to bring it to market. Maybe I could be the vehicle to yeah. get people's ideas to market. Well, that was kind of your agreement with Barbara and Mark that mm-hmm. well, new it was ideas. From, it was for my ideas, but yeah, I mean, Hey, if, yeah. if, if, if it's there, why not? Um, why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what advice do you have um, first to anybody who has gone through, um, you know, the, the struggle of breast cancer for, for like their family members, family members or, or spouses of someone who's going through that? What advice would you have for those? Boy, I, I, the best advice is that, that, it can happen to anyone, it could happen to you. So be cognizant about getting your annual exams. And as far as for the family, we all handle adversity in different ways. And I, I told you that I, I couldn't talk about it. So I guess my advice to friends and family members is um, let, them, let the patient know that you're there for them and let and ask them how you can help them. Let them tell you. Yeah. Don't, don't don't force it. Yeah, don't force it. Don't put your push yourself on them. For me, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. And I I I got their help afterwards, but I couldn't deal with it at the time. I just pretended it wasn't happening. So yeah. so know that each person has their own way of dealing with adversity and ask them how they would like it to be handled. Don't avoid it. Don't change the subject and just point blank ask them because I think throughout the pandemic we found out that what is most important is knowing the truth and not not hearing any baloney so if we knew the truth from the beginning about COVID I think we'd all be in a much better place that's true yeah what about aspiring entrepreneurs um not to give up and not to listen to those naysayers if you believe in it um work a little bit a day on your product 
um, just go for it because the only one you have to prove yourself to is yourself. And um, hey, you know, um, Thomas Edison had a bunch of inventions and many of them failed, but he kept going, right? Yeah. And with Ben Franklin, I just don't, don't give up. I, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in your product, go for it. You have nothing to lose. Anytime I, I, I teach a lesson and we talk about like internal perfectionist and um, the tendencies that this, this type of personality tends to display. And I'm like, I always refer to like Shark Tank and entrepreneurs. They are, I'm sure, a little bit internal perfectionist, but they have to admit like, I made a mistake. I need to revamp this. I need to, to change this a little bit. Uh, I think that's, a, that's awesome advice. Um, any final words for listeners out there? Where can they find Click and Carry? So Click and Carry is available at qvc.com, Amazon, and at clickandcarry.com. Um, in fact, um, it's funny because I, I, I noticed that a lot of people from military bases in other countries have ordered Click and Carry, so they must have access to Amazon on the military bases. Um, um, and um, as soon as it's going to be on lowes.com and uh, Walmart in Puerto Rico. And, um, and I, I can't wait to share my newest, latest and greatest inventions with all of you in, in the near future. And uh, check out that book, Mom Inventors Handbook. And if I could be of any help to anyone, please feel free to contact me. I'm available on LinkedIn um, under Kimberly Meckwood. And um, if you have ideas, I can at least give you advice and point you in the right direction because so many people have helped me. I like to return the favor. So if I could mentor anyone along the way, I gladly will within reason, obviously. But um, but I'd be, I, I think it's important to give back because I've been given so much. It's time to say goodbye. However, here we don't say goodbyes. We say hello to a new story. That new story will be told next week on the Shadows Podcast.